Blog Talk Radio. Movie, yeah. and 
and they would play a movie uh, several times a day for a week straight. And uh, I was, again, I was a little kid, and I, I saw the Jolson story on the Million Dollar Movie. And uh, I was immediately, you know, entranced by Jolson's voice and, of course, Larry Park's uh, performance. Uh, and Jolson's been with me my entire life because of that movie. <laughs> That's, I'm so glad you said that because I saw, I'm no spring chicken, as everyone knows, I happened to see the uh, Jolson story when it was first released, and it had such an impact on me. I was in high school at the time. I belonged to the debate club, and when we would go on our trips after seeing the Jolson story, when we would go on the debate trips, all of us were just trying to outdo each other, doing impressions of all the songs in the Jolson story. And so in a way, Al Jolson has kind of been with me. ever since high school, too. And I'm just so um, impressed by the the feeling and the passion that you bring to the to these songs that, that you sing like exactly like Al Jolson. And no wonder you've received awards for this, such as the Al Jolson Centennial Award and honorary membership in the International Al Jolson Society. Could you tell us more about those two honors? Well, the uh, Centennial Award was back in the 1980s. I was a a younger fellow back then, and it was given to me uh, for participating in the 100th birthday celebration of uh, Jolson, which took place uh, on the East Coast here at the Roosevelt Hotel and on the West Coast as well. Uh, And the uh, Jolson Society, uh, which actually started right before Jolson passed away back in 1950, Mm-hmm. Uh, the International Al Jolson Society. Uh, they're they're still in existence. They've been they've been there since 1950, so 63 years. Still have uh, over a thousand members worldwide, uh, in the UK and Australia, and of course the US and so on. And uh, I get to perform for them uh, several times a year, where we where I just do Jolson for uh, an hour, hour and a half, and it's an amazing. Oh my thing. gosh. Uh, the president of the organization, his name is Jan Hernstad. He's a uh, wonderful, wonderful person, uh, shares the love of Jolson like I do, uh, became a Jolson fan for the same reason I did because of the movie, as are most of the people in the Jolson Society. And uh, they also have a website, uh, uh, org, which is probably the best website dedicated to any legendary entertainer that was ever created it's hosted by dr mark levy down in baltimore maryland and just about anything and everything you ever wanted to find out about jolson is on that site and so i'm very uh honored to to be involved with them and to uh to try to perpetuate the legacy uh that was created by the great al jolson well i congratulations on those honors and um it's it's so marvelous that that Al Jolson's legacy has has lived on. Why why do you think that he's remained so popular through the years? Well, first, I, I believe for for two reasons primarily. First, because he had a one of a kind, unique voice. No one yes. ever sounded like him before him or after him. Now I'm not talking about you know, an impressionist or impersonal. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about major stars. Really, Jolson was unique in his sound. But I think that, you know, he's still around today 
because of that and because of the list of first achievements that he accomplished in show business. Mm -hmm. Like, for instance, the first million-selling record, the first million-selling album, the first entertainer to take a huge Broadway show on the road, uh, star in the first talking motion picture, first entertainer to uh, sing for the troops in the USO in both World War II and in Korea. And uh, also, like when I do my regular show and I'm singing in my own voice, I always tie Jolson to Gershwin. Because a oh, lot yeah. of kids that, the kids that aren't familiar with Jolson, uh, they all know Gershwin. And so I, I tie him to Gershwin via the song Swanee, which Gershwin uh, wrote with Irving Caesar. And uh, then I do the song Swanee in the show just, just to, uh, to get the Jolson impression in there and also uh, bring him back you know, and tie him to somebody who's still got major relevance and effect on the music community and, and history in general. Well, it just uh, amazes me the influence that um, Al Jolson had on other other singers after him. I was uh, doing some research about about uh, Al Jolson, and um, I didn't realize how many singers said that they were influenced by Al oh, Jolson. Oh my goodness, so so many. Um, well, it was Bing Crosby, I believe, who his mother took him as a kid to see a Jolson show, and. Uh, and and that's when he decided he wanted to become a singer and then and so then it was passed on down Sinatra's mother took him to see Bing Crosby and Sinatra wanted to do what Bing Crosby was doing but Jolson was the first guy that did it and so he was still the biggest and the influences um that he had on on many entertainers and those two guys in particular but guys like Jackie Wilson and uh, and and Elvis to a degree and yeah, Elvis uh, Presley. And so even on and so on. Even Dean Martin. If you look at Dean Martin, remember Dean Martin's TV show? Oh, of course I do. Okay. Yeah. Uh, before he did the the roast, but he had his variety show. And there's plenty of times during that show, over the course of those years, where Dean Martin, actually he sings, he kind of slurs his words once in a while, sort of mm -hmm. like Jolson did back in the early days. But Dean. Uh, always, you know, put his arms out there, threw his arms out, went down on one knee occasionally, and so, and those are all things that you know were influenced by things that Jolson just did in a normal daily performance, and so uh, those things are still around. And in fact, jo you know, Jolson actually coined the phrase "You ain't heard nothing yet," oh, which yeah. is still being used today uh, to one degree or another. Some people say "You ain't heard nothing yet," "You ain't seen nothing yet." It all came from Jolson. Yes, but, and, uh, and even Mick Jagger, Mick Jagger, David Bowie, Sammy Davis Jr. Sure, you could yeah, you could see guys. that. Even Judy Garland, you could see Judy. See Judy Al was Jolson's like the female influence. Jolson. <laughs> yeah. and you know, well, unfortunately, yeah. there's only one radio duet with the two of them. No, and uh, they actually sing "Pretty Baby" together on a Kraft musical where Judy goes on Al's show, but oh. it's not really a duet. They kind of. They kind of sing the song separately to each other and then do a little harmony at the end. But uh, it's good to hear, like, the two giants of showbiz back then, the f giant female vocalist and the giant male vocalist, you know, singing together. So, Absolutely. But I think, well, um, you know, Jolson was, he was the king. And, and his recordings are still being used today I mean, in movies. I mean, you're asking, you know, what, what, why is he still uh, popular or relevant? It's because... Uh, people are finding out 
exactly who he was and what he did in show business. Uh, I mean, recently, uh, Peter Jackson, uh, in the 2005 King Kong movie, at the f- beginning of the movie, it's the entire recording of Jolson uh, uh, singing I'm Sitting on Top of the World from, yes. from, the, de- from the Decca recordings in the, in the 40s. Uh, and Martin Scorsese uh, has used audio and video of Jolson in a number of films, uh, The Aviator and uh, also in Goodfellas. And now uh, now you can hear him, uh, early recordings of him being played on the soundtrack of uh, uh, Boardwalk Empire on HBO. So it's uh, not bad for a guy who you know left us 63 years ago. He's still being he's still being used. His recordings are still being played. Absolutely, and um, I'm I'm sorry that I I have never heard the duet between uh, Al Jolson and and Judy Garland. And we'll uh, but have to I get did. somebody from the Jolson Society to MP3 it over to you. <laughs> oh, I, I'm going to. I'm going to try to do that. And I was reading this book, uh, The Golden Age of Movie Musicals, by Saul Chaplin, who worked on so many movie musicals. And he sure. he said that the greatest. He said in that book that the most talented entertainers and singers that he worked with, uh, the two most uh, most talented were Al Jolson and uh, Judy Garland. And uh, they just give it all, both of them, they just give it all. I I was just uh, surprised when I saw that Al Jolson only has 13 movies to his credit. But, but what a legacy being the first, uh, first one to talk <laughs> on film. Well, you know, and, Betty Jo, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just saying that that's, but that was a great movie to be to be in. I mean, to leave, sure. to be the one to to kick it off. But I, but he was was you said you know the great male entertainer. But he was called the greatest entertainer. I think for about forty years. I think everyone sure. thought of him well, from coming you know, out of vaudeville and burlesque and the, his, the Broadway shows. His movies shows that he weren't. Do. He didn't do that many movies, uh, and I think uh, primarily because. Jolson wasn't, uh, he, he was a live stage performer. If you put him yeah. on a stage, no one could touch him. And that, that comes out of the lips of George Burns, who lived to be 100 and saw everyone. Right. And as far as George Burns was concerned, he'd seen them all. And, you know, uh, for him, I believe Jolson was number one as a live stage performer, and, and Sammy Davis was a very close second. Mm-hmm. But, um, Jolson didn't know how to react when he was behind the camera because there was no audience for him. Right. He, he he absolutely made love to a live audience. And so once they put him behind the camera, he he just wasn't the same. He wasn't really a, a great actor. Right. But there are there are good performances that he gave in several of those movies. And of course, um the movie that really uh catapulted him back to to the top of the heap was when he made a cameo appearance in Rhapsody in Blue. Uh, yes, you know, the I remember Gershwin that. biopic. Uh, yes. Uh, Gershwin was played by uh, uh, Robert Alda, Alan Alda's dad. Uh, and they got they recruited Jolson to come in and, and do Swanee. And so he was already uh, around, I guess, around 60 years old. And uh, had one of his lungs was partly removed because of malaria that he had re- gotten when he was overseas singing for the troops uh and uh he went in and he you know he really gave an incredible screen performance doing swanee uh 
and people took note of it, and somebody came up with the idea to make a movie about, you know, the biggest entertainer of all, of, of course, who was Jolson. And this was coming on the heels of uh, movies like uh, Man of a Thousand Faces, with mm -hmm. Jimmy Cagney playing Lon Chaney, and uh, Yankee Doodle Dandy with Jimmy Cagney playing uh, George M. Cohen, and then, of course, Rhapsody in Blue. And so uh, that's how the Jolson story, uh, you know, how, to, how it kicked off. Uh, and it was a long process, a lengthy process, to, to get it made because a lot of studios wouldn't take a chance on Jolson because they felt that he wouldn't be able to uh, re-record all of the songs he needed to do because he was, again, only, you know, only, only going on one lung. Oh, my gosh. Well, I didn't know that. I do know that that, uh, that movie won two uh, Oscars, and I think it was nominated for three, for three others, and it was a big hit. But is, do you, is there any truth to uh, what I uh, read that uh, that Jolson actually made a screen test to play himself in the Jolson story, and he failed. The screen test movie. was for Jolson sings again. Sings again. Even though Larry Parks had had done uh, an, an amazing job of, of making people actually believe he was Jolson in the Jolson story, Jolson still <laughs> still wanted to give it a shot, and uh, he that did a screen so test and sang a couple of songs. <laughs> But uh, you know, he just wasn't Larry Parks on screen, and uh, and it was best that Larry Parks played him in, in both of those movies because his voice really was the driving force of the soundtracks of both of those films. So it was uh, lip sync. It was, yeah, Larry it Parks lip synced to Jolson's recordings. That was a great job of lip syncing, and I, that's why it probably got best sound. Recording for uh, an Oscar for best music scoring and yeah, best, and a, best amazing sound recording. recording uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, the Jolson story and Jolson sings again uh, from 1949. Mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're still the most successful and enjoyable musical biopics ever made. And you know, Jolson still remains. He's the only entertainer to have two movies made about his life while he was still alive. Right. And that's, uh, that says something about how big of a star he really was at the time. And uh, so those, well, those two great movies kind of stand on their own. Yeah. Well, it was great to see, uh, to get some sense of of the uh, performer that Al Jolson was because uh, Larry Parks did get into it showing that electric personality right. and uh, th that just where everybody in the audience uh, – if you would see Al Jolson in a live performance, you would just think that he's singing right to you. And, and, and you know, just Jolson, Jolson toured a bunch of the, uh, the Lowy's theaters in 1949 to promote Jolson Sings Again, and he actually went to hundreds of theaters around the country with a small band and performed live on the stage in a movie theater with thousands and thousands of people jamming the streets outside just trying to get a glimpse of him. That's how huge he was uh, oh after the Joseph story. Uh, and, uh, you know, some people talk about the movie and the fact that a lot of it was fictionalized. And, and yes, some of it was fictionalized. Uh, some of the characters surrounding him were kind of rolled into one character mm -hmm. to cut down on time and so on and so on. But, but, you know, the facts about what he accomplished and achieved in his long career... They're all there in the movie. Yes. And so I, I think that that's the most important thing. What he what he achieved in show business 
and and of course his voice, which was better at that point in his life than ever before, as far as I'm concerned. I and think so. so. Uh, I think that's why the movie holds up. I mean, uh, you know, of course, uh, all of the great songs that are in the movie uh, oh still hold up today. And you mentioned Saul Chaplin. You know, Saul yeah. was on the set with Jolson. Jolson would go to the set every so often uh, of the Jolson story. And uh, he and Jolson penned, <clears throat> I'm sorry, penned uh, the anniversary song, anniversary song right there yeah. in the studio. And, and that's how it wound up in the movie. <laughs> and it was great. It was it was so great. Do you know that we we have a call that um, uh, the caller has been patiently waiting? So uh, hold on just a second and let's see sure. who this is calling in to t- talk with Tony. Hello, hello, area code nine five four. Who's calling, please? Oh, Betty, Joe, your show is incredible. It's George Bettinger, and I love Tony Babino, and what a wonderful show you guys are doing. Oh, thank you, George. I was hoping that that you would call in, and thank you for letting me know about Tony Babino. I would not have... um have known it was possible to have him on the show if you if you hadn't uh, put us together so so thank you so much do you have a question for for uh, Tony or a comment i i know you think very highly of him i think you're one of his fans right i'm one of i'm one of his biggest fans and i love jan hernstad and everybody in the jolson society and i'm just going to do a couple of quick impressions because i want to say hi from joe franklin my friends, I want to say that uh, Tony Babino is the number one Al Jolson impersonator. And uh, he is the man on one knee that brought the whole world to its feet. <laughs> wow, what hey, do you think about that, Tony B? George, how are you, my friend? You sound great. Uh, I'm doing fine, Tony. It's so great to have you on Betty Joe's show. You sound wonderful, and you're like a walking encyclopedia of show business. I love listening to you. Thank you, my friend. You're welcome. Well, and you know, and Eddie, Can- Eddie Cantor just walked in the room. You know, Joe, oh, Eddie, Eddie, you and Eddie, I were very good friends in the old days, and my five girls can't get a date for anything I do. <laughs> <laughs> That's Eddie Cantor, okay. Wow, then, uh, Eddie. Uh, very quickly, Georgie Jessel is here. You know, it was in 1927 that I could have made the jazz singer, but I didn't get the part because Al Jolson took the part from me. He was much better than I was, and I I did do the Broadway show, though, and I hope somebody talks about it. <laughs> somebody just did. <laughs> That's great. George, I, I have to tell you, Tony, that I call George Mr. Showbiz because he he is so in love with showbiz and does so many wonderful impressions and and George uh, tell everybody about where they can hear you on is it Monday is it Monday Wednesday and Friday Yes it's Monday Wednesday and Friday on a new station that I'm on called Dream Stream Radio Uncle Floyd and I got together and we put together a new station and it's wonderful and it's nostalgic and it's a lot of fun and I hope people tune in and uh, I, I don't want to I don't want to take up much time because I'm enjoying listening to this show. And Tony, you're a wonderful guy. You're classy. You're you're an entertainer of a, of an amazing magnitude. And I I'm glad I got you together with Betty Joe. Well, thank you so much, George. And and please tell Floyd that I send my best. Oh, I will. I know he knows you, and I certainly will. 
George. Thank you so much for for calling in. And You're we've welcome. Been talk- You're welcome. We are certainly welcome to to stay as long as you would like. But we we do want to talk with uh, with Tony about some yeah. some things other than other than Al Jolson, which you might be interested in. So Tony, I was wondering if you could tell us about the films you've been associated with. After all, this is Movie Attic headquarters. Right. Right. Uh, I have had the uh, good fortune to have some of my recordings uh, featured in major motion pictures over the past few years, um, as well as having uh, recorded uh, songs, you know, specifically for films. Uh, I, I had my original song called Swinging Around, which was the title of my first CD, mm. uh, which was included in the movie The Crew which uh, was from Touchstone Pictures and starred uh, Richard Dreyfuss. And uh, it was a great, great comedic film about four old retired wise guys who moved down to Florida. Uh, And Burt Reynolds is in it, and uh, there's a scene where he's pulling up in a convertible and my song is playing on the radio in his car. So uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, My my dear friend Robert Rosenblatt, uh, my entertainment attorney and associate, Got that got that song in the, in the film for me, and it was actually put in there by MPL Communications, which is uh, Paul McCartney's publishing company. Uh-huh. So uh, that was uh, that was really the first one that I did, and, and it was a lot of fun and a great honor. So, uh, and then after that, uh, again, it went through my friend Robert. Uh, uh, I was able to do a recording for uh, Harold Ramis, who oh, is yeah. uh, you know a great comedic actor and, and a you know hilarious and multi-talented director and he was doing the movie the ice harvest um with john cusack and um billy bob thornton and randy quaid and, i think and randy quaid and he he uh contacted us and i had the pleasure of meeting him and uh he came into the studio uh, with me and uh, we recorded uh the little drummer boy which was actually used uh, over the uh, entire opening of the movie. So that was uh, that was a lot of fun also. That's kind uh, of a, Chris, a cynical Christmas movie. Yes. I remember it. I, really I gave dark, it a very good review. <laughs> dark, uh, Oliver Platt is in it, too, I believe. Yes. Uh, it's a really a dark comedy. It was, um, and it was very good. And then I did a, a recording for uh, the movie Capitalism, A Love Story for Michael Moore, Uh, which was a really over-the-top, hammy, uh, loungy, swing version of this song called the Internationale, which is like the, uh, I guess it's of of the Socialist National Anthem or something like that. Right. But I had no idea what it was when I was recording it, but uh, and it came out, it's really funny when you listen to it, but it's exactly what he wanted, so we, we did it for him. And uh, it's kind of it like fit in. Uh, it definitely fit in. It it yeah. worked. It's kind of like uh, I would say, you know, like Bill Murray on Saturday Night Live, kind of singing the Star Wars movie themes to big band swing kind of thing. So mm-hmm. it was, <laughs> that's what it was meant to sound like, and hopefully we we achieved that. You did. But uh, most recently. Uh, I just had one of my songs, uh, original songs, called Swing, uh, Sentimental Heartstrings, which mm-hmm. was uh, featured in a brand new Hallmark Channel original movie called How to Fall in Love. And 
and that song was featured prominently in there, and I'm very proud of that because that's uh, one of one of my favorite pieces of music that I've had a chance to write. So, uh, so you know, it's all good. I've done a bunch of commercials over the years, and uh, uh, I, I've had the opportunity to, uh, you know, to work with people like Milton Berle when I was uh, much younger, and, and uh, uh, sing with people like Les Paul and uh, and Connie Haynes. You know, Connie, uh, you remember Connie? Oh, definitely remember Connie yeah. Haynes. Well, for people not familiar with Connie, Connie was the original girl singer with Frank Sinatra in the Tommy yes. Dorsey Orchestra and in the Harry James Band. And Connie and I, <clears throat> we had the opportunity to work together for uh, on and off for uh, for a decade. And, you know, to, to be able to sit in the wings and, and watch her, she was a master at her craft, to watch her with, with the orchestra, uh, and just listen to her, you know, even when I first met her when she was 74 or 75 around there, um, she, she was just incredible singing in the pocket and, you know, swinging like she was back in the 1940s. And, uh, and, you know, aside from her talent, just, just a marvelous, marvelous, wonderful, beautiful person. God rest her soul. But, uh, I was very fortunate to be able to perform with her for many years. Now tell me about um, Uncle Milty because uh, he was one of my favorites. And how how did you uh, how did you uh, get involved with uh, working with him? Well, I'll tell you. I've I've never really told this uh, in public, but I'll, I will tell you this. It was <laughs> yay. Scoop. <clears throat> it's a funny story. Uh, right. I I was called by a producer from uh, Kentucky who had Milton Berle coming in, and. Uh, Milton Berle came in, and I was rehearsing with the band. It was a long, long time ago. And um, the producer came to me after after rehearsal, and I was supposed to do 20 minutes to open the show. And mm-hmm. the producer came to me, and he was a little nervous. So he, <laughs> and I didn't know any better at the time. So, and he said, "You know, kid." can you do more time? And I, I said, well, I, I really don't have any arrangements with me. And he said, well, I'll talk to the piano player. I want you to do 40 minutes. Oh. So I'm like, I, I just, you know, again, I was kind of green at it, uh, at the showbiz thing at that point. And so I really wasn't aware of etiquette and, you know, protocol and so on. But I just knew something, you know, it, I knew it wasn't right to do it. So, I went out and I did the 40 minutes and then it was an intermission and I went and stood in the back and, and I watched Milton Berle. And I, I have to tell you that uh, Milton Berle was already in his 80s at the time. Oh. And I don't think that I've ever laughed that hard in my <laughs> life. He, the, he was just, once he hit that stage, he was just incredible. And, you know, that's real, real show business you're watching there. And it's just, it's like watching Rickles today. You know, nobody can touch him. And so right. Burl was he was just amazing. And so then he had a he was doing a meet and greet after the show. And there was about five thousand people there. And uh so right before they invited the guests into the meet and greet room, uh his assistant who was with him <laughs> called me in and he said, Hey kid, Mr. Burl wants to talk to you <laughs> So I went over to him and he talked to me for a few minutes and he you know, he, he whispered down in my ear, he said, Listen, kid you did a great job. I, I, I absolutely loved what you did out there. But don't you ever do 40 minutes in front of me again. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a nasty, all right. And, and he shook my hand, and I, 
I turned away, and as I turned away, I, the first thought I had was, holy God, I just got yelled at by Milton Berle. I love it. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> I, wish, I wish I could have gotten yelled at by Milton Berle. I just thought he was just absolutely great. And uh, yeah, I, I could just tell how much you enjoy uh, what you're doing and uh why why is it that you love showbiz uh, so much and kind of how did you get your big break and a little well, bit more about that I'm I'm just so curious and so jealous Tony It's kind of you know I'll, I'll tell you a couple of things real quick I, When I was a kid and and the I was actually a teenager and the Jolson story story was uh re-released at the Ziegfeld Theater in Manhattan and there was a lot of press and it was it was a big to do and I didn't want to go there. My friends forced me to go there, and I wound up, you know, singing there and uh, and going on a couple of TV shows and whatever. And then I wound up on the cover of the New York Times Entertainment section. Mm. It was it was it was a great great experience. That was like 1975, and I I've been singing since I'm a kid, but I never really went into show business full time until way after that. But um, I had met Norman Brooks. And uh, Norman Brooks was uh, really the first big uh, Jolson sound alike back in mm-hmm. the fifties. He's in a few movies and and so on. Uh, but he, he was just great. And uh, my my cousin and my aunt had a Norman Brooks album in their record collection. And I was a little kid and I took it out and I was because I had just seen the Jolson story and I was singing along to it and I learned all the songs right away. But there was none of the songs on the record were in, in the movie, so I was a little confused until I, until I read the back of the album and realized that I was imitating Norman Brooks. <laughs> oh. So, so when he was appearing in Manhattan, you know, after that, that uh, thing at the Ziegfeld, uh, my, friend's, uh, my friend Jimmy, my Jimmy Nizzo, took me to see Norman Brooks, and, and then, uh, Norman Brooks invited me up to sing with him, and and he was so nice, and uh, you know, I sat down with him, and he said to me, uh, you know, and he and he kind of sounded like that naturally. So he said to me, you know, can you sing in your own voice? And I, and to be honest with you, I really didn't know because Jolson oh. was the only thing I had ever done from the time I was a kid until oh. I was a teenager. He was nonstop Jolson stuff. And so, uh, and Norman Brooks said to me, well, you know, if you can sing in your own voice. You can you can create you know Tony instead of being Al Jolson, but you can still do Jolson in your show somewhere and right. pay tribute to him in that way, and still you know be yourself. And so that's really I think where it started, where I started just trying to be me out there, uh, and and and, uh, and ever since then that's what I've tried to do: keep the American Songbook alive and. You know, I've, uh, and of course, keep the memory of Jolson alive uh, as much as I can. I do whatever I can to do that, um, and and I've had great honors, uh, like being picked to select uh, the song "I've Got the World on a String" by the the family of the composer Harold Arlen. Yes. And, uh, and so things like that have come along because of you know the direction I, I've taken the music in. And just trying to be me out there, uh, you know. I think that and uh, one of the original songs I wrote, uh, it's called Fifty Years," was um, actually uh, a friend of mine uh, who belongs to the Jolson Society. Believe it or not, 
uh, took my album and gave it to a radio station on Long Island called WHLI. Mm -hmm. uh, and they started playing it. Uh, Paul Richards out there started playing uh, a bunch of my songs, and then he found this song, 50 Years, that I had written uh, a while back for my grandparents when they celebrated their 50th anniversary. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, it's the only song you know written especially for a 50th anniversary. Um, and I recorded it uh, with a like, 26-piece orchestra with live strings and... Uh, Paul found the recording and he put it up there on the radio and the next thing we knew it was the most requested song and it was the number one song uh, on the station for uh, a long while and we're still wow. getting a lot of requests for it so I'm very proud in particular of of that song. So uh, wow, been, you you really fun. have yeah I I mean the the passion that you, that you have for entertaining and not just uh, doing Al Jolson and um, I I love that. Uh, that you're considered one of today's power vocalists, uh, just in your own voice, not just as as Al Jolson, and and you're. Uh, I, I like what this this author Richard Gruden calls you. He says a singing storm, who keeps the music going strong. Sinatra, Bennett, Darren, and Jolson, all in one. So I hope you I hope you use that quote a lot because I think that's that's really what you're what you're uh, doing. But how does this video game fit into your career this bioshock well, infinite that's i'm curious about that this is something uh, that i i never envisioned myself being involved with uh, and it, it just it happened uh, a couple of years ago uh, these guys that produced this game uh, found me on the uh, on the internet uh, the game itself bioshock infinite uh, just came out a couple of days ago it's 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 the biggest game in the world right now. It's, it'll probably uh, and hopefully, you know, win Game of the Year and uh, uh, highly anticipated. People have been waiting several years for it to come out. It's the third wow. game, I believe, in the Bioshock uh, sequence. Um, and the Bioshock games are noted for for their uh, soundtracks or the music that they use. And so the game takes place in 1912. Uh, and and so they were looking for music, uh, you know, period music. But they kind of wanted to use something newer for the the level uh, within the game that that I'm in. And so they picked this song from uh, 1991 by by the group uh, REM, and the song oh. is called "Shiny Happy People." And you know, coincidentally, in the game. Um, there's a fictional city called Columbia, and the people that live there are called the Shiny Happy People. And so uh, they presented the idea to me, and uh, I agreed to do it. And we recorded this song from 1991 to uh, an arrangement uh, written to sound like it was done in 1912, uh, like a ragtime kind of arrangement with banjos and clarinets and stuff. And I sang it like Jolson uh, in a very high range to make it sound like it was from that period because he was kind of more of a tenor in that time period before mm -hmm. his lung got cut out and then his voice dropped uh, a good octave and a half or two. But um, And so uh, it just came out. And, of course, people that are into video games, uh, I'm getting tons of emails and messages uh, uh, and the college-age kids and high school kids that play these things, uh, 
you know, are really uh, are really enjoying it, and I, I really feel like I did something really nice to, you know, not only for myself but to to put Jolson in a new media that he probably never would have been in or envisioned being in. And well, so uh, I think it's really cool. It's cool and it's exciting, and I'm not into video games, but I'm going to have to check this out <laughs> because I'm, well, somebody really somebody actually, yeah, you, somebody actually ripped uh, the the track, a bunch of the tracks from the game, and put them on YouTube. So it's actually on there. Uh, I just heard it yesterday. It's, oh, it is uh, okay. Yeah, it's a shiny happy people cover, and it's got the logo of Bioshock Infinite on it, and you can hear what this thing sounds like. Oh, so it's kind I of like what I envisioned him doing with this kind of a song back in that time period. But you know, it was a lot of fun, and uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully, it'll lead to something uh, bigger and better. We'll see. Oh, I'll bet that it will. And and oh, I can't believe that the time has gone by so quickly. But you're you're just so much fun to talk with, Tony. And. I want to want you to tell the listeners where they can find out more about you because I know that uh, you've picked up uh, even more fans today with um, with your interview today. So where where can they go to learn more about Tony B? My website is uh, Tony B letter B Tony B dot org or Tony Babino B A B I N O dot com. Uh, I'm also I'm on Facebook, and uh, everything we're talking about here today is uh, is uh, in the website and uh, on the website and uh, on Facebook as well. And uh, you mentioned the book real quick. I'll just tell you that I met Richard Grudens because he had written a book about Connie Haynes, and uh, he has since included me in five of his books. So he's an wow. incredible writer, uh, and uh, I always I have to. You know, give him a special shout out because Richard Richard is great. Well, he certainly uh, knows the talent when he sees it. So I'm going to have to check out those uh, those books. And just one uh, last question, because we ask this of all of our guests, and I'm um, wondering what's the most important thing you want people to know about you and your work. Uh, I think if we take anything away from what I'm doing, it's just that I'm just part of of the mechanism just trying to keep the good music alive and uh you know for me it's always the music first and foremost i i have the honor you know thanks to the good lord above to stand on a stage and sing some of the greatest music ever written and i and i mean that it truly is an honor to be able to sing these wonderful songs with the music and the incredible lyrics written by you know gershwin and, and harold arlen and irving berlin and sammy Kahn and and uh, the Silver Brown and Henderson and and so on and Cole Porter and so on and so on and so on and and that's the most important thing to me. It's all about the music. So I, I feel you know if I've done something good and turned some people on to some of the great songs, then I feel like I've done something worthwhile. Well, you're doing something worthwhile. That's for sure. Uh, I I urge listeners to go to your site and to find uh, find out more about you and to listen to your music and. I I just think this has been one of our uh, one of our all-time favorite interviews Tony you've been such a terrific guest thank you so much and maybe we can get you to come back again in the future would you do that It would be my great pleasure we'll Thank you forward, Betty Joe thank we'll you and thanks to the listeners to 
well, the, we've we've had a special treat today, but it is time to wrap things up now. So this is Betty Jo Tucker giving a big shout out to the folks at Blog Talk Radio for featuring this episode as one of today's staff picks. We really appreciate it. We want to thank Nikki Starr for all her help. She um, uh, she was multitasking today, so we haven't been able to hear her charming voice. But we want to give her thanks, and we also want to thank the people who signed up for the chat. And thanks again to the great Tony B. for joining us, as well as to our good friend George Bettinger for calling in, and to all our chatters and other listeners. I hope everyone enjoyed the show as much as I did. Please come back next time for another spirited discussion about the movies. And in the meantime, don't forget to check out our film reviews at realtalkreviews.com. That's R-E-E-L, realtalkreviews.com. That's all for now, folks, but you ain't heard nothing yet. Let's close the show with another uncanny Al Jolson impression by Tony B. It's the first song ever heard on film, and it was sung in 1927's The Jazz Singer. So here's Toot-Toot-Tootsie. Yesterday I heard a lover's song. Goodbye. I'll be a boy. Seven times he got aboard his train. And seven times he hurried back to kiss his love again and tell her to toot toot say goodbye. To toot toot say don't cry. That you to train that takes me away from you. No words can tell us that it makes me kiss me to the end and do it over again. What for the maid? I'll never fail. You don't get a letter.